0: the Christian publishing industry is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, that's just mm-hmm. the way it's been, both mm-hmm. in terms of authors published and uh, and personnel. Um, and so I've been at IVP 24 years, mm-hmm. and wow. and I'm one of the few editors of color in the industry. And so for my pretty much my whole career, I've, I've wanted uh, and longed for more representation.
1: Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath and count what up folks. This is Lee Roy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. Uh, and thankful again for you joining us and listening in. Remember you can uh, reach us on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. You can shoot questions or comments to my Facebook, Leroy Barber, or Twitter uh, at that's just at Leroy Barber. Um, love to have your comments um, and your ideas for for shows in the future. So today we're we're going to do something a little bit different. Um, we get a lot of questions about um, who we are and and why we're doing this podcast and who's all involved. So. Today's episode, you're going to hear uh, me give a history of the Voices Project and who we are and what we do uh, and how that relates to work with United Methodists and its denomination uh, and, and how all of that ties in um, with communities of color. So you'll hear, hear a little bit of that. And then we're going to highlight actually one of our partnerships, the one with IVP. And the reason we're highlighting this is because we we believe uh, that uh, it is important for voices of color to be uh, raised in the marketplace, if you will, right? Uh, And IVP has been a great partner uh, in highlighting authors of color, because I don't know if you know, but 85%, somewhere in that area, of all books are written by white folks. And so... Um, I love IVB, IVP's commitment to, uh, to um, raising the voices of, of authors of color. So we're going to uh, be talking with Al Shea, Uh and Al She is an editor at IVP, uh, and he is also an author himself, uh, and he's going to talk about some things around uh, uh, first-time authors, What it takes to become an author? What are three things that you can walk away with from today's episode? Um, And, you know, I want to leave this last question. Do you read authors of color? How many? What's your commitment to listening to and reading and hearing the narrative and story of people of color? This is Leroy Barber, this is the Sit Up Podcast And I hope you enjoyed today's episode And whether we will make statements, speak truth or add to the noise is up to us To take the dust we've been given To treat our seconds like cents, and watch how we spend them To use our words like olive branches in the mouths of birds and watch where we send them Take the negative thoughts we were taught Take our wounded souls and hearts and let God mend them Let's begin Blank paper and pen Stories to tell Battles to win Deep breath and count to 10 Let's begin. Let's, begin. Let's, begin. Let's, begin. Let's begin. So my name is Leroy Barber. Uh, I am co-founder of the Voices Project and with uh, Donna. And I'm gonna take a couple minutes just to give a framing for the Voices Project and then um, turn it over to our our leaders for the next couple days. Um, Voices was started 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago this month actually in this state, but on the other side, in Orlando. Um, And it originally started as a space for, um, you know, my wife and I working in ministry, raising support, you know, the whole gamut for about 20 years. And after that, feeling like, wow, like, we still aren't great at raising support. Is there something wrong with us, right? Um, We still aren't, you know, we're getting any spaces, but the leadership space isn't growing as the way we thought it should after 20 years. And so um, Voices really was a gathering of black leaders originally saying, let's just pull our black folk together and let's talk about some of this. So we we had we brought together some pastors, there was about seven or eight of us in a room and uh, just started having conversation about where we were. And the stories were similar. and um, a couple of things popped out of that conversation that helped shape what voices is today. Uh, one was we had some younger pastors and some older pastors in a room, and the younger pastors let it all out and was like, hey, um, I'm working with this white organization because no black pastor older than me would like give me time a day because I wanted to do something different. Right. That like that. Boom. Right. That just kind of hit hit the fan. And then they start talking about being evangelical. And I don't know if I am evangelical anymore. And why should we be evangelical? This was 10 years ago. Right. We are in a room. <laughs> right. And uh, all of that was surfacing. And um Uh, So all of those things surfaced, and then how are we going to what kind of voice do we have in our community, right? Like pastors aren't the only people that should be speaking. We should we should be talking to all kinds of different people. And so some of what Voices does now is we make sure that it's just not pastors up front, like talking to people. That's not the only place of influence. There was a the business has influence, right? Arts has influence. Education has influence. Uh, politics have influence. And so we shape this thing out of the seven channels of influence. That we would constantly be working through all of those areas uh, to be influenced in our community. Uh, and then uh, the room at that time, we didn't know how, but we're like, we also need to be connecting to other communities of color. Like, what we all, we all have some similar things. What are those, and how do we tease those out? So, all of that happened at the first, get, first meeting. And that became kind of what Voices is today. And, the, and a simple mission statement was. Um, uh, training and promoting leaders of color, right? That's what we—that's what—that's what we do. We try to do, uh, and um, those who know and come and do trainings for us. And a part of Voices, which Lisa Sharon Harper came to our second meeting and like told us we need to stay evangelical. and everybody was like, "No, Lisa, no!" Like, uh, and uh, and help. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and, and really helped shape voices from that space to kind of stay attached to something we didn't want to stay attached to. Um, and so, um, so that's been a part of our formation over, over the last 10 years. We, um, we actively have two gatherings a year, one now in January. Uh, and we try to do that in a warm place, because people of color like warm things. <laughs> just to not to be stereotype or anything, but you know. Um, (laughs) uh, so, and also having that be a place where we can, um, set up smaller groups of people. We try to limit these to 30 or 40 people, really, so that we can go deeper into a conversation. Um, and so that happens twice a year, once in a warm place somewhere, uh, and the second in New York, because part of what we're doing is wants to influence culture, and we really believe, like, the center of cultural influence is probably New York City, right? Um, and so what does it mean to be there um, and uh, to be connecting with that city? And so we do things like go to plays written by folks of color. Our folks of color are in and um, uh, at our gathering um, in, in August. And so we've gone to see the Lion King. We, gone to, we went to see Richard um, Richard Pryor's daughter in a play. I mean, it was just, it's just kind of a, a piece of what we do. So. Um, Those things have those things emerge and we actually have been doing those for 10 years That has been kind of the the pieces that have remained the same Uh, And then uh, a few years in we started we started working Generationally and saying we we need to keep have this as a part of what we're doing so we started a black college tour um, where we Uh, went around and began to talk to black colleges and black students about cultural influence, about some of the things that we were were talking about as leaders of color and black leaders at that time. Um, And so we do a black college tour and have done it. Uh, And then I guess last year was the first time um, after kind of doing it for so long and so many people kind of wanting to connect with each other, not just kind of us connecting with those communities over, over periods of time that we, we decided to do a conference. So there's a Voices conference now that happens in May. Um, and uh, if y'all weren't there, Kathy Kong like, brought it. And uh, uh, Lisa helped guide, always helps guides from wherever. It, anytime we're doing anything, Lisa's voice is in it. So she is, uh, she, we have an elders group that meets quarterly. Lisa leads that. It um, helps us think through what we're gonna do next and why we're doing it. Um, and so it is a big part of, a part of this, this work. So that's a real quick overview of history. We, um, we, we really are diving into what does it mean to be a leader of color um, in today's world, um, but not an assimilated leader of color, right? A leader of color leading out of who you are I don't we don't we're not interested in who the assimilated you is we're interested in who you are born uh at created by God right uh in a place and a time um and that's the person we think should be leading and we have a whole lot of um, scriptural things that we've connected to that. Lisa, 10 years ago, they didn't have that great book out, A Very Good Gospel, but uh, I think she worked it out on us. And, uh, and, and was that three years ago or two years ago now? Two years ago, um, that book was the number one book of the year in Englewood Review um, and talks about, um, uh, are he, like, we are shaped and born out of a creator and what does it mean to be human, right? Uh, and so, anyway... I could go on and on about the wonderful shapings of people that put, that have been a part of Voices over the last 10 years. So we're thankful to be here. Um, and we are grateful for... It can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do, but the funny thing about wounds is given time to heal, they make the most beautiful tattoos. Some people call them scars. But in the eyes of the right beholder, they can be art. Love doesn't keep secrets. Love chooses to see. Forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven can set you free. Let's begin. Let's begin. Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell. Battles to win. Deep breath. count to ten. Let's begin. Let's begin. Let's begin. this morning, I have Al Shea with us, and uh, he is an editor uh, for InterVarsity Press, uh, he is an author, um, and uh, he'll he'll talk maybe a little bit about his book. Um, and uh, he he also um, does acquisitions, right for right. for IV Press. And want to talk to him a little bit about. Um, Al so I know university um, press has made a commitment uh, to um, to look at voices of color uh, and right. also right. Um, sign a number of voices of color uh, and in a space where we know you know the majority of books written are not written by people of color right and so what, can you start off telling us like where that commitment came from why that commitment um yeah, we'd love to hear some about that.
0: Sure. Uh, I, sh- I should... Explain first that the Christian publishing industry is predominantly white. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically, that's just mm-hmm. the way it's been, both mm-hmm. in terms of authors published and uh, and personnel. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. personnel at Christian publishing houses have have typically been white. Um, and so, I've been at IVP 24 years, mm-hmm. and wow. and I'm one of the few editors of color in the industry. And so, for my pretty much my whole career, I've I've Wanted uh, and longed for more representation: um, uh, Asian, African American, mm-hmm. Latino, mm-hmm. others. Uh, voices publishing because the the picture of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God is not complete without all these voices and all these different perspectives and experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, history is told by majority culture and by the victors and so on. Uh, and so it, it takes intentional effort to 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 platform and mm-hmm. and
1: amplify the voices that otherwise aren't being published uh-huh. Uh-huh. wow so so i want to i want to tease out a, a couple things you, you just said you're one of very few editors of color right. in in the christian publishing industry right so you yourself like are alone a lot of times um and talk about that as an editor with a commitment mm-hmm. to see more people of color published and i should say I. Uh, IVP and University Christian Fellowship
0: overall uh, have long been committed to uh, ethnic, multi-ethnicity and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. diversity and uh, the kingdom in all of its uh Seeing the, seeing the kingdom expressed in people of every ethnicity and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, location, and so I'm I'm grateful for the the white leaders at IVP and university that have have mm-hmm. elevated people of color, mm-hmm. uh, and so so editors before me, editorial directors before me, publishers before me have mm-hmm. have pu- published African American authors, Asian American authors, mm-hmm. others that, mm-hmm. um, long before I got there, and mm-hmm. so I'm grateful mm-hmm. for them, um, and so in that vein, I've been. But but they've also recognized their some of their limitations, mm-hmm. uh, that they mm-hmm. can't go into certain spaces, or at least it's more difficult for them to build credibility with authors and readers in certain spaces. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I've had opportunities to go to conferences like this Black Asian dialogue that mm-hmm. most of my white colleagues would not go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. most white publishers and editors just, aren't there at the table and so i'm grateful for the the communities of color the the networks the relationships that i've been able to uh intersect with and getting Mm -hmm. to know authors from across the board people like leroy barber Mm -hmm. and donna Mm -hmm. barber and kathy kong and and jonathan brooks and so many Mm -hmm. others that Mm -hmm. have been a delight to work with Mm -hmm. uh and Mm -hmm. all the various expressions of, of the kingdom that
1: everybody's living out Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, you mentioned a few of those authors. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm one of them, so, yep, you know, that's, yep. that's fun. Uh, but Dominique Gilliard. Right, um, right. You know, Jonathan Brooks, Kathy Kong, mm-hmm. Brenda Salter McNeil, mm-hmm. um, and a commitment to these phenomenal, these folks that have done great work, mm-hmm. but also are now um, authors and mm-hmm. names of, that people recognize, you know, and yep. um, that's that's some great, great work. And,
0: and also, I love finding the first-time authors, the voices that have not yet been published, that you don't know their names yet. We, we just published a book a couple months ago called Hermanus. Mm -hmm. Um, by three Latina authors, uh, Natalia Cohn, who is Argentinian and, uh, Armenian, uh, and, uh, Noemi Vega and, uh, Christy Garza Robinson, who are Mexican, Mexican American. And the three of them weave their stories together. They tell stories of 12 women from the Bible Mm -hmm. and, and weave them together with their Latina journeys and looked at, look at people like Esther, who was, uh, representing across a cultural uh, mm-hmm. barrier and mm-hmm. oth- others that, like, that that were in bicultural context, biracial context, uh, facing struggles, things that Latino women can experience mm-hmm. and identify mm-hmm. with. And so this book just recently released um, and it's resonating with people and not just Latinos. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's showing people there are stories that have to be
1: told that, that people are ready to hear. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> This week we're we're in the middle of um, a conversation, Black Asian conversation, mm-hmm. in in two communities that have, you know, lived together mm-hmm. in certain spaces for a long time, mm-hmm. um, but where there's there's some misunderstandings and tensions and things. Uh, why 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 are you here um, and you know as a part of this conversation?
0: Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be here just because this is a conversation that's not been intentionally addressed. Uh, and so when I saw the topic of this conference, this gra- gathering, I was like, oh, I want to be there. Um, and I think Asian Americans and African Americans have been uh, co-collaborators and colleagues along the journey, but have not always understood each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I w- I'm really grateful for how uh, Kathy Kong and Lisa Sharon Harper opened our time with the time of Understanding our histories black history Asian history and our own personal families and stories and how they intersect Mm -hmm. Um, For myself, I'm a second-generation Taiwanese American and I grew up in Minnesota, uh, which is predominantly white Mm -hmm. Um, So it was not until after college after grad school uh, and in my work that I that really intersected uh, significantly with both a larger Asian American community as well as African American Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. community. Uh, And I remember going to a conference. uh, This is in my mid twenties where I, uh, it was a multi-ethnic conference um, where we had different speakers from different ethnicities and communities. Mm -hmm. And I was looking forward to going to this conference because I would be seeing my Asian American peeps Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, I'll get to see all my Asian friends. But what hit me at that conference was hearing the black speakers and meeting african-american colleagues mm. and staff and i realized that the reason i we as asian americans have a place at the table is because of the years of suffering and sacrifice mm. that the african americans have have worked so long and hard for uh that they were doing this decades maybe centuries mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. uh we were on the scene and so I, as an Asian American, and am, am indebted to the African Americans who've mm-hmm. gone before, and so so that was a an, a, uh, an awakening for me, mm-hmm. and I realized okay, if I'm the only editor of color at the publishing table, the mm-hmm. publishing committee, mm-hmm. um, I can't just advocate for my people, for mm-hmm. Asian Americans. Mm-hmm. I need to advocate for books by African Americans and Latinos mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Native Americans and others, mm-hmm. and so that that was. Part of the uh, conviction that that experience had for me.
1: Wow, man. And I, 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 think, I think also yesterday, as we were as we were talking about um, looking at a timeline of history and looking at the history from a, you know African Americans' perspective and Asian Americans' perspective and seeing their similarities in the story of the timeline mm-hmm. was. Uh, I I learned a lot from that. I learned um, things I didn't know about the struggle of Asian Americans because of this whole you know model minority mm-hmm. myth that that's out there mm-hmm. that has kept our communities you know from apart really mm-hmm. and from from connecting. And so I feel grateful for for what you have said and for for being here and going through this together. So I wanna I wanna uh, I wanna circle back. So. Maybe my last question is: What are three things you can give to uh, folks who writers of color who are thinking, "I can't write" or "I'm not sure I want to write"? How do I go about this? What's three things you can say to help people think and see whether they really can can begin to be writers? Right. Well,
0: I I guess number one, tell your story, Uh, and you can begin small. You can Mm. you know start you know, journaling, you mm-hmm. can, you can blah, you can give a testimony in church, uh, write a chapter and see mm-hmm. if it leads to an outline for a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so tell your story because your story is important. It's distinctive. It's unique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you say that no one else is saying? Oh. Uh, the other thing I would, uh, so two uh, read other people of color, huh. uh, in support other people of color, read their books, buy their books, mm-hmm. uh, and be the change you want to see right. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the books you want to see in the world uh, and, and then advocate for each other. As far as it is very difficult for, um, people of color in majority spaces to, to self promote. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know an Asian American friend author who was, uh, speaking at a church and because of, uh, his, uh, Asian American honor shame context could not mm-hmm. say buy my book and mm-hmm. so he ended up giving mm-hmm. them away which huh. is kind of sad you know, right, it's right. nice that they got out there but but he didn't get money mm-hmm. for them and mm-hmm. he needed mm-hmm. a wingman to say books in the back 10 bucks mm-hmm. each You know, mm-hmm. m- buy the book mm-hmm. and so so advocate for other authors of color uh, say you gotta read this book because there, there are stories that need to be told the kingdom of God is not complete when we do not have their narratives mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. oh that's good so those that are listening uh, know that there are editors uh, out there that are uh, looking for writers of color. And uh, this advice of tell your story, read other authors of color, right? And don't be ashamed to self-promote whatever you write. Um, it's some advice from Al today. So, Al, you you talked about self-promoting. So, you're an author yourself. Tell us about some stuff you've done.
0: Well, uh, one of the books that I'm, I've written three books myself, and the one that has been re-released recently is called Grieving a Suicide. Uh, I Hmm. lost my dad to suicide some years ago. And uh, so, and I realized, it was was a book, it was, sorry. Hmm. I lost my dad to suicide a few years ago. And suicide is one of those experiences that changes your life irreversibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's before and after. Your life is c- completely different. And, um, and it, it basically wrecked me. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but then I realized I was not alone. The suicide hits some 42,000 families in the U.S. every year. Each one leaves behind six to ten immediate survivors, parents, spouses, children, loved ones. Mm -hmm. That's hundreds of thousands of people every year that are going through this kind of loss. And I, I learned that I'm not alone in this and I wanted to help other people walk through this experience and know that they are not alone in this. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so the book grieving a suicide goes through some of my experience, looks at the emotional impact of suicide. Uh, suicide is what, counselors call a complicated grief or complicated bereavement. Mm. That it's not just the loss of the loved one, uh, uh, it's also the the trauma of the suicide. And we're actually dealing with two realities, Mm -hmm. um, grief and trauma. And one is hard on its own and the two combined heighten and complicate everything. Uh, and besides that, uh, suicide has all sorts of uh, theological questions. Uh, uh, you know, is suicide the unforgivable sin? And where mm-hmm. is God in all of this? Mm-hmm. Why, did, why did God let this happen? We, uh, survivors grappling with survivor's guilt are always asking questions of, uh, why didn't I see this coming? Couldn't I have done something to prevent this? Mm-hmm. And so the book explores these issues, these questions, and
1: helps readers
0: make sense of the senseless.
1: Wow. So, um, well, one, thank you for getting that book out, but just you just said, tell your own story. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the book, one of the books you've written Mm -hmm. is your own story and you were able to write that and tell, and tell that and give that to the world. Right. Uh, Is that a part of the process you think?
0: Right, right. And I I wish this were not part of my story, but Mm. in some ways it's, uh, It's the experience that I have gone through and so to steward that well for others and to say, to help others understand that they're not alone in this kind of a loss. Mm -hmm.
1: Thanks for sharing that, Al. So um, tell us, are there uh, there books right now that you think people should be paying attention to?
0: Well, one that uh, released last year in 2018 was Kathy Kong's Raise Your Voice. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's very much the kind of thing we're talking about. Uh She's encouraging people, especially people of color and women who have felt marginalized and felt Mm -hmm. unable to raise their voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, She helps them speak up Mm -hmm. for themselves, but also to speak out on behalf of others, that this is a cultural moment in which people Mm -hmm. need to raise their voice Mm -hmm. because there are Mm -hmm. so many things going on that just should not be. Mm -hmm. There are things Mm -hmm. that are not right in the world. Mm -hmm. And so she is encouraging people to raise their voices in the embodied way that they are Mm -hmm. with all of their ethnicity and gender and social location, whoever you are, wherever you're at, you're there for a reason and and God is calling you to advocate for yourself and for others mm-hmm, uh, in mm-hmm. this particular moment. Uh, so that's one that uh, recently released last year. Mm-hmm. One that's coming up later this year in 2019 is a book by um, Mark Charles, Navajo Native American author mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. co-author uh, Sungchan Ra, who's mm-hmm. Korean American, and their book is called Unsettling Truths. Hmm. The ongoing legacy of the uh, of the doctrine of discovery, mm-hmm. and so they are exploring how how uh, historic Christian doctrines, papal bulls, uh, led to the doctrine of discovery that allowed explorers to claim native lands mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. North America, uh, and how that continues to impact race and justice issues here in America today. Wow. Soon Chan Ra and Mark
1: Charles together. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yep. Y'all going to have to hold the walls down. Yep, yep. Coming fall 2019. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Well, thanks for your time. Uh, this is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcasts. You can reach us on Facebook at Sit Up Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, shoot those to my Twitter at Leroy Barber, or you can find me on Facebook at the same, at Leroy Barber. Thanks. Thanks, Al. And this is the Sit Up Podcast talk to you sir again live life like you know the clock ticking. on your park set ready let's begin let's begin let's begin let's begin Let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin.